We are SC pregame podcast, Pac-12 Conference Championship Game Edition. Uh, USC Champions of the South at 10-2, and two, number 10 in the uh, college football playoff rankings. We'll be going up against Stanford, 9-3, and three, sitting at number 14 uh, in the rankings, 5 o'clock Friday night, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara on ESPN. Now, of course, this is a rematch of a game that was played earlier in the year, uh, the second game for the Trojans and the Cardinal. USC came out on top 42-24, and uh, just per, uh, no doubt about it, the best uh, overall game performance of the season for the Trojans. Uh, Clay Helton saying afterwards that uh, we played to our standard, and uh, that was a pretty high standard in that game, over 600 yards of total offense, only giving up one big play to the Stanford uh, running game, and that was a 75-yard touchdown by Bryce Love. But other than that, pretty much uh, keeping a Heisman finalist in check for the day and uh, balanced for the USC offense, 300 yards rushing, 300 yards passing, two backs over 100 yards. Uh, Deontay Burnett, nine catches for 120. One yards and a pair of touchdowns, and Sam Darnold, of course, over uh, over 300 yards passing, and and more than that, it was uh, th- the way that the team was physical, and uh, a- absolutely dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and uh, really every time there was a moment of adversity or every time a challenge ne- needed to be met, the Trojans met it, and uh, like we're saying, it's just the most complete game of the season. So how much do you take from that? How much has changed from that game? David Shaw talked about the uh, the dangers of trying to outguess yourself. Okay, we did that in that game. Are they going to adjust? Are we going to adjust? Um, Stanford pretty much saying, hey, we're, we're, we're a different team than we are then. We have found out who we are, what our identity is, and we're going with that. A big part of that came with a quarterback change. We saw Keller Christ in the first game, a senior, and he was uh, pretty ineffective and had been ineffective really up and down throughout his career. And so they have made the change to sophomore K.J. Costello. And uh, along the way, they have won eight of nine games. And uh, just uh, like Josh said, a better sense of who we are now and what we want to be uh, within that stretch of eight of nine wins coming down the stretch. They beat Washington and Notre Dame. Two pretty good football teams. Obviously, every Trojan knows what Notre Dame did to us in the middle of the season. Um, but, but, but to take care of those two teams, just show that, hey, St- Stanford is, uh, is their usual Stanford self right now. You look at what they like to do uh, on, on offense. They are going to run the ball with Bryce Love. Uh, again, 1,800 yards right now. Um, and he's going to be going back to New York for the, uh, the Heisman ceremony. He had a nagging ankle injury a little bit in November, but he's you know, put up over 120 yards against uh, Notre Dame. He's, he's fine right now. But uh, Coach Helton also talking this week about uh, the tall receivers and tall tight ends that Stanford has and how Costello was able to get to them. We'll have more talk with that later uh, with some of our former players. Uh, on, on defense, you look at them, they are strong up the middle, typically defensive tackle. Harrison Phillips, 86 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. Bobby Okereke at the inside linebacker spot, 82 tackles. And then Justin Reed, 88 tackles and five interceptions. So the Stanford defense, you know what they're going to be. It's going to take a... Uh, a performance by the Trojan offense that you don't have to match what you did in the first game, but boy, c- coming into it, you are at full strength right now. So that's where you have to think the game is going to be won for USC. Is uh, you, you, you've got Sam obviously there. Uh, you've got all four tailbacks in the mix right now. Ronald Jones went for 100 yards every game in November, and then having Stephen Carr back, you think coming out of the backfield, he's going to be a big weapon. You're at full strength at wide receiver, and in fact, you go four deep with guys that are really contributing right now. And then you've got. Daniel Matur Bebe back uh, at tight end. And, and that's been the biggest thing that Coach Helton is saying, what's different for the Trojans right now as opposed to that second game of the season. He's saying the depth of our receiver options and who we have available right now is much stronger than what we had in game one. 
And then you look down on the offensive line for USC, like we were talking earlier, really controlled the line of scrimmage in that game. You do not have Vianney Talamaibao in this game. You had him then. Andrew Voorhees has done a nice job, and he's certainly you know six, seven games into his tenure at right guard. And so uh, he's as prepared as he's going to be for this moment, and the young man has played well. Uh, so how he does, how Nico Fala does against Harrison Phillips, these are going to be big matchups in the middle of the line to see if USC can control things the way they did uh, in that first game. A uh, couple other keys. Stanford leads the Pac-12 in turnover margin. That is obviously something that uh, for USC during, at, at times this season has been a bugaboo. And then you look at penalties. That's something that, hey, okay, you're looking particularly, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. You're looking at Jackie Jones back there, Iman Marshall. How are they in their coverage? It's going to be a physical matchup going up against these receivers. Uh, how are the penalties called in that one? And then Kevin Bruce mentions it. Uh, Chuma Adoga on the in that offensive line, the false starts, uh, the penalties downfield. These are things that uh, cannot happen. Last game, the Trojans converted 10 of 12 third downs. That's fantastic. Don't let penalties become an issue in, in halting drives and not allowing you to have that kind of conversion percentage. So Pac-12 title game. USC has won 38 conference titles over the years, but is looking for their first victory in a Pac-12 title game. Uh, we were here two years ago, lost to Stanford, lost to Christian McCaffrey is really what happened. Uh, Stanford is 3-0 and uh, in these conference title games. The North Division has yet to lose. USC would look to change all that on Friday night. So the remainder of the podcast is uh, Keys to the Game with myself, uh, Johnny Curran, Greg Katz, Kevin Bruce, and Daryl Rideau. We'll talk USC offense versus Stanford defense with former USC quarterback John Major. And then Kevin Bruce, former USC linebacker, will finish it off with thought, defensively speaking thoughts, USC defense versus Stanford offense. Let's have a good one, everybody. This week in USC practice, uh, keys to the game. Gary Pasquitz, Johnny Curran, Greg Katz, and uh, Kevin Bruce. Uh, guys, I'm going to get us started talking about my key is the USC offense. Uh, I think we will all agree that that was the most complete game of the year that USC played against Stanford earlier in the season. One of the keys was the ability to put up over 600 yards of total offense uh, and 42 points. And I look out there at the offense right now and I say, we are as healthy, particularly with the skilled players and the guys that are available, as really any point in the season since that game. Um, Clay Helton has emphasized so many times the, the young receivers. You're talking Tyler Vaughns and Michael Pittman, the emergence of those two. The return of Stephen Mitchell, he did make sure to point that one out. Get, having Daniel Imitor Bebe back as much as we have at any point in the year uh, right now is obviously an added bonus. And then a full complement of tailbacks uh, sitting behind Sam Darnold. So if you're looking at, at the USC offense, everything is in place right now to put up those kind of numbers again. We will see if that happens against the Stanford defense, but 600 yards of offense, 42 points. If you can come anywhere close to duplicating that, hey, let's see what happens in this football game. Johnny? Well, definitely related to that, what you're talking about, I just wanted to talk about the kind of the freshness in the of the team, the extra hop in their step, kind of coming off that bye week, which obviously is uh, much needed. Um, you know, the players have been talking about it, how beneficial that was to them. They definitely seem to come out here kind of with a little bit of renewed energy, but the health, you can definitely see it in a guy like Stephen Carr, I thought. Um, this week finally looked like the Stephen Carr we saw at the beginning of the season and who, you know, who had a huge game against Stanford, among others. Um, so I, big benefit there. Christian Rector, I think you can see in him, Daniel Bebe, uh 
Biggie Marshall, uh, Mitchell, as you mentioned. So there's definitely there, there's some things working in favor for the Trojans coming off that bye week. Whether that translates into improved performance or not, we'll have to see. There's a lot more that goes into that. But um, I do think you can coming off that bye week, that's something that definitely helped this team uh, out heading into this game. Okay, you know, I, I want to talk about uh, Stanford. Um, Stanford reminds me of USC last year. Uh, Stanford got off to a bad start this year. Uh, we helped do that to them. Uh, they were like one and two. They lost to San Diego State after uh, they lost to us. And uh, remind me of last year when we got off to a difficult start. Uh, last year we changed quarterbacks from Max Brown to Sam Darnold, and they changed from uh, Keller Chris to um, uh, K.J. Costello. And the thing that I noticed was that they have gotten better every week, and I was absolutely impressed by what happened against Notre Dame and Stanford because I was at Notre Dame when they really physically took it to us. And I'm watching this game uh, last weekend. I'm going, what happened? It's almost like uh, Stanford has changed personalities. Do I think that we're going to uh, uh, lose? No, but I think it's if I was to place odds on it right now, I'd say it's an even game. And I do hope that we play the best game of the year. I think it's going to take the best game of the year to beat them. Yeah, and a uh, really good point. I'd say uh, clearly this. One is that uh, the, the, the whole c uh, conversation around Stanford uh, operating under six days uh, of rest, it's not a big deal. This team will be re uh, adequately rested, a little bit nicked up. Well, so are we. Um, to me, that's a non-factor for this game. What is a factor are some of the mismatches that Stanford's office, offense presents to our defense, in particular the height uh, advantages uh, some of their receivers and tight ends uh, present to our, uh, our our secondary. Uh, we've seen a lot of um, uh, fade route uh, practicing today. Uh, you know, good turning on the ball. You know, high pointing the the defensive play, and uh, really trying to get the timing on the turn to the ball. Read the receiver, time your turn, and make the high point uh, defense. You can't get taller overnight, so but you can certainly get your timing for your jumps uh, improved. That will help, I think, uh, uh, tremendously. On the on the run defense side, uh, we're going to see, uh, uh, from what I could tell today, and I frankly, it's, it's not a surprise, and not a, a significant change from the game that we played in September. We'll see a run defense that has a depth to it, meaning you've, you've got the, the front four, uh, then you've got uh, some uh, linebacker play, which is maybe a second level of defense, depending on how, how they're utilized, but look at it that way. And then you've got the secondary play for run support. And that proved to be very effective, uh, with the exception of, of one long run by Love and then a few others, some pretty good runs later on as well. But uh, he was held uh, in check with the exception of that 175 or 72-yard run. Um, that's a defense in depth. There is a challenge when you uh, defend the run with depth like that. And the challenge is that your safeties are moving up, moving up, moving up, and that height uh, disadvantage that I pointed out earlier becomes more profound, and it opens up, especially on the uh, uh, you know skinny post patterns over the middle with the safety sneaking up to help on the run support. That is something that we're going to have to watch out for. This matchup against Stanford, it really boils down to how well can the USC corners hold up and hold their end of the bargain? 
um, all week long, there's been much talk about the size and the length of Stanford's receivers and their tight ends. So if USC's corners can hold up and allow for Clancy Pendergast to have a similar type of game plan, I'm not certain that you can get away with going zero coverage, uh, abandoning the middle of the field and putting both safeties in the box to defend against the run. I'm not certain if you can commit to that type of a game plan, but to sprinkle it in on second and third down situations, allowing your corners to hold up may give this USC defense the wrinkles it needs against a very formidable uh, Stanford offense. Beginning of the season, there was a lot of turmoil at the uh, quarterback position. Now with K.J. Costello, at the helm, they seem to really have found their group. This is not the same Stanford team. So the wrong thing that this USC team can do is go in with the impression that they're going up against the same identity uh, Cardinal team that they saw at the beginning of the season. So look for that matchup to be exploited early, and that is really going to determine the fate of this game. If Stanford has success early on, they're going to continue to attack the corners. If USC holds up, it's going to make a long night for that Stanford offense. Uh, we're with John Major uh, talking USC offense versus Stanford defense. And, John, I think one of the more interesting things about this matchup when you look at it is you kind of look back to the first time these two teams played and kind of say, do that. Exactly what you did in the first game, do that again and you'll be okay. How do you uh, take that game plan that works so well in week two and kind of formulate it for this game on, on Friday? Well, uh, Gary, of course, Stanford's going to be looking at that, right? That's the first thing they're going to pull up, is, and they probably already have three weeks ago just to get ready in case they had to play us in this game. Um, but you look at that, – that was nine, what, nine games ago? Almost almost a full season ago, really, when you think mm-hmm. back to September and how all these teams evolve over the course of a season, either evolve um, schematically or or getting guys in – uh, guys that develop throughout the year that are playing that weren't playing in September, guys that get hurt. So there's, there's those personnel changes. And uh, in the case of Stanford, I mean, we're yeah, I'm I'm here to talk about the Stanford defense, but I think looking back at that game, I mean, sitting there, being in the stands and just feeling the momentum shifts when when they could not convert on third downs when um, uh, Keller Chris, their quarterback, had opportunities. Um, and just was inaccurate, made the wrong reads, um, dropped balls. I mean, they – but now they have a different quarterback. So that's a big change when you look forward two months and going into a championship game. They have a guy that's been making plays for them, kind of like Sam Darnold does. And so um, that put their defense at a disadvantage back in September. So I think that, that you kind of have to look at the flow of the game is going to be a lot different now because they're going to convert some of those third downs that they weren't converting in September. And their defense will be in a much better position to um, kind of kind of keep the game closer for longer. And, and SC couldn't have done much better in the third down conversions, 10 of 12. That was just a – one of the most efficient days. Okay, so look at the Stanford defense and tell me how does USC uh, look, look to do that, continue doing that. Let's talk run game first. The run game's been working for the most part, John, in the, in the month of November. Things are on a roll in that regard. But one big difference, you talk about the differences, not having Vianney Talamaybao. Even though Andrew Voorhees, I think, has been very admirable in that role, that's one difference on the USC offensive line that we don't have for this game. Yeah, we don't. And But we've also uh, 
had guys playing longer now. So the guys who were fresh that is true. Uh, have taken a lot of snaps, seen a lot of things, seen a lot of things thrown at them, trying to confuse them, and um, and they've learned from that. And like I said, it's almost like a, a different season from two and a half months ago. And you have to really consider that that guys have evolved along. So so of the other so of the other team. So of some of the other teams players that hadn't played a lot of football by at that at that point in time. But um, but I look at um, you know when you look at the Stanford personnel top down. I mean start, starting from the top of the defense being the safeties and, and corners and then going to linebackers and defensive line. I think the strength the 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 area that might be weaker for them. I think the safety position. I really do. I know I know it's Eric Reed's brother Justin Reed at number eight and he leads the conference in interceptions. But I don't see him coming in and make and sticking his head in there and making a lot of tackles on runs. He kind of sits back and plays really soft and lets things happen in front of him. And um, that's a big difference from a lot of the safeties we've seen in the conference who come up and really get in there and get involved. So uh, maybe play action won't be that great for us because they kind of sit back and true, true and wait for things to kind of kind of keep it in front of them. Um, and then you get to the uh, the linebacker level, and that's where they've had an, an, a major injury last week. Um, Altieri, number 32, the linebacker that plays opposite Bobby Oak. Uh, let me get the name right. Okareki. Um, Okoreki, who number twenty is their stud. I mean, he's a really good player. I mean, he's all over the field and he's very, very athletic. Reads blocks well and shoots gaps and makes tackles around his defensive linemen. So, but the guys around him that they're after the injury, they tried to put they put Perez in there, number fifteen. Not a very good player. I think that 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 our offensive staff, T. Martin and and the Heltons will look at that and say that that's something we need to exploit. Notre Dame did it. Notre Dame did it in the course of a game. They made the adjustment and exploited him a little bit on some crossing routes. And um, and then they have another linebacker, number 31, who fills in. He's better, I think. So they'll try to play him a little more this week if they don't get the the uh, injury coming back, the, uh, Alfieri coming back. Um, and now I look at the defensive line. That's truly their strength. I mean, they have they have they have three studs up there, uh, namely Dylan Jackson, number 97, and Harrison Phillips, number 66, who really. I mean, if you watch them against Notre Dame, you can see that they can hold their own against against big, strong, physical guys and and eliminate and eliminate a, a surge, right? So it allows linebackers to come up and make big plays. So that's their strength. They don't blitz a lot. They don't. When you say when I say blitz, I say bring secondary guys and man up outside. They'll play a lot of man, free safety, but they won't short. They won't um, reduce their numbers in the secondary and bring a safety blitz or bring a corner blitz. They'll do stuff with the linebackers, but they play pretty true. I mean, they'll play a lot of, of man across, uh, free safety, three or four man rush, and um, they'll they'll also play some zone in some situations on third on third and five. They'll play. I've seen them play three deep five under zone. So they don't try to trick you in that regard, but um, they just try to kind of like old school. They what they do on offense, old school offense, and they kind of play old school defense. Just play true. And they're very well coached, and they rely on being kind of the hallmark of Stanford of playing very smart, very smart kids. And they try to teach them a lot, give them a lot of material, and play very smart and very fundamental. Yeah, I think when you mentioned Phillips, and Helton just hounded all week on uh, on their strength up the middle. He thought that Phillips, Okarecki, Reed, uh, straight up the middle, he thought that was just a, a real strong suit for them. But you look at Phillips' numbers, John, 86 tackles, 16 and a half for loss, Seven sacks, and this is no fluke. This guy's been doing it for a couple of years. Uh, talk about what they with him and Nico Fala, how you see that going? 
Uh, well, I, you know, that'll be, I think that that battle will be good. I think getting the ball out of Sam's hands will be key and then he'll, he'll move a lot, right? He'll scramble. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and Notre Dame did that. I mean, Notre Dame moved the quarterback a lot and that neutralizes a guy and doesn't put so much pressure on your, on the man head up trying to, on, on Nico trying to block him head up all the time. I mean, when you're moving a guy, it gives him a little break, gives him some opportunity to get different angles on him. So, you know, they'll, they'll be smart with that matchup. Um, you know, I think things I saw against Notre Dame, like a nickel package, they tried to do that a little bit to kind of take away a scrambling quarterback and sort of give an extra guy out there kind of kind of mirroring him, although they screwed it up. I mean, at one time it, it ended up in an 89-yard touchdown, or 85 or 89-yard touchdown because the nickel guy collided with his own defensive back that was covering the crossing route man-to-man. So that, that mm-hmm. freed him up, and the guy went – and then Reed was out of position, so the guy went for like 89 yards. So um, – and then they did it again on another crossing route. So I think getting the ball out of Sam's hands, if he's got some – some powerful rushers coming at him, um, and, you know, that's one thing. And then, of course, Sam steps up. He can step up into that pressure and then slide. That's one of his strengths. So um, I don't think that's as big a concern. But, I, you know, Notre Dame did not do any short game at all. They threw no short game until, like, I think it was the first play of the second half. They went a little crossing route, um, shallow cross, about five yards. And that's the first time I'd seen it all game. And, um uh, Stanford was playing the zone. The linebackers were dropping, and Perez kind of picked up the guy coming across from the opposite side, and the guy flew right by him, the, the receiver, and he, they just dinked the ball to him at about six-yard completion on the run, and he turned it into a 75-yard touchdown. So I think those – I mean, imagine Deontay Burnett on a little crossing route out of the slot. I mean, those things are there, and um, Notre Dame showed it, but they didn't run it all the game. So um, in the passing game, all the little stuff in front, that we have the ability to do or shown the ability to do all year is there. Deep game, though, we're going to play a little truer, but we have receivers that didn't play in that first game, like a Pittman, right? Like, a, um, you know, that, that can make a big play over the top of some of these guys that we didn't have that ability earlier in the season. So look for that to be an opportunity, maybe on the side, maybe down the sidelines when they're playing man free. Yeah, we, we didn't have uh, – Vaughn's did not have a catch. Pittman did not have a catch, nor did Daniel yeah. Limitor Bebe. I can see all three yeah. of those guys. Any one of them could have an impact in this game, right? Okay. And the tight end, you know, you gotta you gotta imagine that they're going to do a pretty good job covering tight ends because they see so much of it in practice. Gets their own team, but um, you know, Daniel, Daniel, everybody's waiting for him to have a kind of a breakout game, and uh, maybe in a man-free situation, they kind of ignore him a little bit. He might have a chance to make some big plays. I, I thought it was nice. The coaches were obviously in the last couple of games trying to trying to get some balls to him, trying to, trying to kickstart him a little bit. And against UCLA, yeah. I thought he had that one beautiful catch down the middle. So, like you say, if we, if we can get him kickstarted, boy, that would be yeah. a, uh, that would be a nice bonus. And, and, and well, he's really for... doing a great yeah, and he's really doing a great job in the running game. I think so. So, um, you know, I think I think Ronald Jones. I think Ronald Jones feels comfortable kind of when he sees Daniel out there, kind of running behind him or or knowing that he's going to be a guy that's going to slide off and make some blocks and he can kind of follow him a little bit. Um, it's interesting that, that Coach Elton talks about their strengths. Of course, he didn't talk about their weaknesses because that's not something they want to publicize that they're aware of. But I think when you look at Stanford defense on film, it's very obvious that, you know, you, whenever you look at a defense, you're trying to figure out, okay, who are they trying to hide, right? There's some weak links on the defense. Who are they trying to hide by either by their scheme by uh, kind of personnel groupings on defense, you know, what are they trying to do? Who's the weak link? I think, I really think it's um, 
uh, Perez, number 15. I mean, if, uh, if they can get a wheel route where he's got to cover a back man, um, if he's got to cover someone underneath, I mean, there's opportunities there. And, uh, and I also think the safety, if you, Sam can work him, smart guy, work and read one side, throw him back the other side to our talented receivers in a man free situation. I mean, that's, I think there's big plays there as well. And you talk about the wheel route. Uh, Stephen Carr looked as good this week in practice uh, as he oh, has yeah. since before his injury. So I mean, think about it. you get well. you get you get uh, you get um, Tyler Vons or Deontay or, or or Pittman. Let's say let's say you get them, send them on fly routes down the right side in a man-free situation, and Darnold just works Reed over there, and then you send Carr and you send a post route on the backside, taking the corner out. And you send Carr up on a wheel route, and who's got who's left to cover him, right? It's going to be it's going to be one of the linebackers. And if you get it to the side where Perez is, if you see 15 out there, you got a big play just sitting there for you. So that's that that's what I think. I, our guys see that. I know they do, and they're just waiting for the opportunity to run it. I'm sure. And, and that's what that's one of the things that is feeling good about this game going in is at, at least with the skill players and the offensive guys, we're we're as healthy as we've been in a long time, and that's a lot yeah. of weapons for Sam to throw around to. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, when I look at the game overall, like I, I, was, I was telling you earlier when I was thinking about, um, you know, when as a team, when you look at Stanford, when as a team had to beat USC and Notre Dame in the span of six days in the history of, of you know, football, who has, done, who has ever done that? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I would say, I would say no one. Then I was thinking back two years ago, and I said, well, Stanford did it then because they beat Notre Dame and they beat SC. Um, in the, in the championship game. However, that was a, we played that on a Saturday. Two years ago, it was on a Saturday night, was a conference championship. Now it's on a Friday. So actually, no one's ever, that I can recall in the history of football, has ever beat USC and Notre Dame, um, in the span of six days. So this would be right. something that's never been done, I think, in the history of college football when you think about that. Well, let's continue to have it never be done. Let's go, uh, yeah, let's go get exactly. this tomorrow night, John. All right, Gary, see you up there. Take care. Kevin Bruce, uh, Kevin, a, a rematch with the Stanford Cardinal, and the one of the things that we look back in that first game uh, with USC and Stanford is the impressive defensive performance that we saw. In fact, there was a line from you in your defensively speaking review that said the the plan from Clancy and the execution, jaw dropping, incredible, impressive prep and execution. How do we get that to happen again? <laughs> yeah, well, um, that, that was really well written, I must say. Um, and indicative of that game, uh, repeating that performance, no easy feat uh, on a good day. And uh, hopefully next Friday, this coming Friday is a good day. I think it will be. Um, when I look at, uh, went back and looked at the uh, game film uh, yet again, and I what I saw was every bit of what I had written, but I also saw areas where we uh, can improve, uh, one of which would be, uh, at will linebacker uh, position combined with the uh, five technique tackle on that side. And when Stanford gets into two, at least two sets, one is their uh, eye back set uh, when they run a, a toss play to, uh, uh, to love, who else, but typically to love, uh, and they, do, they make a little counter move, and it's designed specifically to trap the will linebacker who hangs outside just a wee bit too long and the tackle uh, actually uh, on that side uh, wraps around the guard and, and, and blocks off, uh, seals off the uh, uh, the linebacker. It, it's kind of what I would call the poor man's uh, blast play, but there's nothing poor about the Stanford uh, blocking scheme, that's for sure. Right. But it, it's really, it's a different technique of blocking it. Anyway, point is this. Um, 
our guys can watch the same film I watch. And that play uh, today, while physically can work, uh, I wouldn't expect uh, John Houston at will uh, to get as influenced and hold his position as long as uh, uh, has happened in September, right? So that's the experience factor. Uh, uh, John has been improving week by week by week, especially the last, I'd say, five games or so. Uh, He's definitely improved a a lot. in particular on the perimeter uh, uh, work that he's doing. So that's impressive. So that's an area of improvement, I think, uh, for sure. Um, As far as the defensive line goes, I think the uh, play we're going to see will be uh, equivalently stout that we saw in September. That's very good news because they played very well. Um, We don't have Marlon T., uh, but we have uh, Josh at full speed, and they, uh, they being Stanford, haven't uh, met Brandon Peely. That should be fun. He's fun to watch, Brandon. He just this this is a young man just having fun out there. I mean, right. you know, big, uh, burly, strong, athletic guy who uh, you know he might throw some guys around. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. That could be an area of of improvement, um, and I look forward to that. And the secondary, the big tall receiver piece. Um, it's no secret what Stanford likes to do. Um, they can run some alternatives. They have some seam routes that they can run, especially with their big tight end, tight ends, plural, I should say. Uh, but th- those are, are coverable, especially with our, uh, the way our safeties have been able to toggle in and out of the uh, – uh, uh, and run support and get it closer to the line of scrimmage into the box area and, and, and play in the run, and maybe they'll toggle back into the pass play. Um, the secret to our uh, – uh, the successful, effective defense is very effective control of first down. You control Stanford on first down, you have a real good shot of taking care of third down. And we saw a fair amount of that in the September game. And we've seen that when we've had successful three and outs and maybe a, you know, a couple first downs and outs, um, it's been the first down control really sets up um, a, an offensive quandary. Not every quarterback out there is Sam Darnold, thank God for that, who can handle a third and long and just seemingly make it go away, right? Um, That's not how Stanford is built. They're built on uh, possession, control, um, controlling the line of scrimmage, and then bang, uh, a running back with Lowe's ability and speed can break off the big ones, which we also saw in September. And speaking of quarterback play, there is a new quarterback in there for Stanford. What little tweaks are you seeing from K.J. Costello that they can do or that they do do that we didn't see from Keller Crist? Yeah, uh, Keller uh, didn't have a bad day. just didn't have a good day. There was also a, a, at least three drops by Stanford receivers on that day. They, they, they played a little tight and a little tentative on defense, I thought. I don't think we're not going to see that this time around. That's one. Two, from a quarterback perspective, uh, Cage, he gets the ball out real fast. He's, he's got just a gun of an arm, right? He can make, as you have said very often, he can make all the throws. But that's good. Make the throws. Because the Stanford throwing the football, they're not running the football. And I like that. Right. You know, and so one of the we forcing, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say we we're forcing them into throwing situations, or they, they prefer to throw. If they throw more than twenty-five times in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I just about will guarantee you we're going to win that game. Right. Yeah. If we had our choice, don't have the ball in Bryce Love's hands out of the backfield. Absolutely That's right. right. Absolutely right. 
Okay. One, one, now, one of the things interesting about this week is that uh, you had a chance to attend your first uh, Trojan practice in a while. And one of the points of emphasis when we were out there was uh, was getting the fades, getting the high point balls to their receivers and tight ends. They got a bunch of tall guys over there. And so, uh, first of all, talk about that element, and then talk about just uh, what it was like for you being on that practice field again. Well, okay. Let's uh, start with the uh, first question first. Uh, that's a nice sequence. Um, the the uh, Practice against the high plane, the, uh, the the ball and the defense against a fade route, it was really good and and and, and prudent and, and appropriate for the team to be working on. Stanford is excellent on that. They create mismatches out of height more than with speed, and as a result, the fade route is one that they love. Outside shoulder, tall guy, even just put it up in the air, almost. But frankly, mm-hmm. just so long, just what you won't see from KJ unless. Somebody hits his arm and puts pressure on him, which can happen. You know, we have guys that are pretty good at that. Um, uh, he's not going to underthrow uh, that route. He will overthrow it, if anything. Right? So that really puts the uh, pressure on uh, our defender to make the turn at the proper time. As I mentioned, uh, I think yesterday, I mean, no one's going to get any taller overnight. So you've got right. to, you know, make the jump at the right time and place. And then. Now, you're going to be, you know, people might not like hearing this, but you're going to have to get a little handsy with these guys, too. I mean, it's just the way it's going to have to go. I and mean, then you have to play real um, stout defense. you got to stick to them and, and, uh, it, it, and be ready for a, a inside vertical route underneath the fade. Oh, by the way, that's, that's the, uh, the route that's harder to cover. Uh, uh, in terms of recognition, not in terms of, of, of physical coverage. That's different. That's the fade route's harder physically. The underneath vertical uh, is, is tough to pick up because you got two guys, uh, either a safety and a cornerback on the fade route, and then that underneath vertical is usually it's going to be open. Linebacker's going to have to cover it, or another uh, safety or nickel back has to roll into that, uh, that open uh, zone, that open hole. The other uh, question he says, gee, how is it like uh, being uh, back on uh, the practice field? Well, it felt um, eerie, actually. You, you, I walk in, and it, it's it's Goo Field, and I'm reminiscing about getting the gong from Coach Goo, and, and literally in the helmet. You know, if you didn't get gong, you weren't really uh, – you weren't part of the team, so you wanted to get the gong early on. And, uh, it, and in my case, it was, I think, day two or three, I got I got whacked upside the head by Coach Goo. So it, it was it was just felt – um, you know, uh, you know, reflective to be on a, mm-hmm. a field named after a very, you know, impactful uh, coach and teacher in my life and many other uh, Trojan football players' lives. So that that was pretty special. The um, you know the process of how the practices operated just totally different than our approach. Our approach was uh, real physical. Uh, very intense. Um, you you know tend to play the way you practice. So that's how we practice. That's how we play. Uh, this approach is uh, is different. Uh, though it does conserve the legs, it does uh, conserve against injury. Uh, it is a um, I'd say a teaching environment. Uh, but as far as uh, you know, physical preparation that I suspect is done uh, largely uh, weight room, uh, cardiovascular conditioning, and, and related less with. Um, you know, the physical, banging each other in the head and, and, and so forth. So, look, it's a different approach, um, one that I, you know, just unaccustomed to. It's not something that I can identify with and, and uh, as directly, but it's one that's been, you know, reasonably successful. And let's um, we're going to find out on Friday if it gets us ready for a championship caliber performance.
Well, let's go have a good one Friday night, 5 o'clock. And, uh, again, it was good to have you out there at practice. Good to see you back out on their field, Kevin. Let's have a good one Friday. Right on.